Welcome to MTG Ectoplasm, your home for spirits and spirit decks in the world of Magic the Gathering. On this episode, I told you I was going to get them. And guess what? I got them. And I hope you're excited because I got a special guest too who's going to help me interview this individual or individuals. Do I got you curious? I hope so. Let's get this episode started, shall we? Let's go. Welcome to MTG Ectoplasm. I'm your host, White, a.k.a. DeBlanco, a medium that wears an extra, extra large. Listen, you can reach out to me on Twitter at MTG Ectoplasm, or you can email me at MTG Ectoplasm at gmail.com. Let me know I'm doing a good job, a bad job, or I shouldn't lose my day job. Or even if you're having a bad day on your job, look, reach out to me. I'd like to hear from you. Also, I got an email. I'm oh, sorry, uh, a website mtgectoplasm.com I have the latest and greatest episodes on there and guess what if you want to donate to the show I would appreciate it I would like to upgrade my equipment here or you could sponsor an episode that's right I'll shout you know you you sponsor an episode I'm all I do is I will talk about you which doesn't sound bad does it so you know what let's get this thing started I have with me my legacy correspondent, you've, you've heard him a lot, and I enjoy bringing him onto the show. I, 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 what more can I say? Peter Valco. Welcome to the show, Peter, again. How you doing? Wait, your new beat has got me all groovy. Doesn't hey. feel me. I, I think I'm ruined for the interview now. I think I just want to go dance. Oh, there you go. Mr. Mr. No, not there you go. You've ruined me for my interview state. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. You and your little boogie <laughs> no, shoes. Cool. Dwight, how are you doing? I'm I'm super excited to be here today. I know you are. Um again, we've talked about this guy for a while. Um idle giggled like children at his name. Yes, we did. And said this, that, and the third. But you know what? He brought the list to a five oh finish, so we have to recognize him. Amen. Right? Amen, brother. And now the funny thing, it's not just one person, it's a pair. And if the figure it has to be a pair because it's testacular. And Ben, how are you guys doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing all right. How about you, Ben? Doing excellent. Thanks for having us. Hey, not a problem. We have them both. We didn't lose either of them. No. You know, but for people who don't know, I'll I'll sh- let you behind the scenes. We had trouble connecting left and right. It was just an absolute abortion, but we saved that fetus and it's now alive and kicking. So Jesus, Jesus wait, how to start off that? God damn, dude. Oh, you so yell at me for the things I say on Jesus. <laughs> oh, here, I guess I get one of these, huh? Okay. No, I think one of these was more necessary. The sensor sound, I don't think it came out. No, no sensor sound, but cricket then. So thanks, Dwight jerk <laughs> so testacular uh, and ben uh how are you guys making out we're, we're, you're on the west coast of the country ben and i oh sorry uh peter and i are in joysy as we like to say along the jersey shore how are you guys making out on your side uh doing pretty good yeah i live on the west coast over here um in uh like oregon uh portland more specifically um ben used to live in this area but he's actually out uh he's actually out on your end yeah yeah tuning in from rhode island here uh but representing portland legacy well there you go rhode island i've not been there in two years i went there for a grand prix uh two years ago in may it was really fun a beautiful area honestly what I don't thank under- you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice place. What I don't understand yeah. is why they call it Rhode Island. It's not an island. Just... And I don't think that island is as heavily road on as it's no, said to be. No, I just don't get it. It's dumb. Well, you know what? <laughs> Let's get this uh, episode started. I ha- we have several questions uh, for you guys, and let me start with you, Testacular. What made you get into this legacy tournament? Uh, well, this legacy tournament specifically, I mean, I run a lot of leagues all the time and, uh, I, uh, registering like, uh, this deck into a league felt pretty strong. So I just, uh, decided, you know what, let's just spend the hundred tickets. Let's do it and see if we can, uh, see what we can do with it. And 
lo and behold, we ended up going 5-0, getting our list posted above everyone else's. Felt really, really, really good. Uh, so... Well, that's great. I mean, I, I'm happy for you. You know, your result going five and zero, you can't beat it. Ben, what were your thoughts of test? Uh, t- oh my god, I almost screwed that up. Testacular, uh, running the deck that you built. Yeah, no, I was excited. Turn uh, and I, uh, Testacular and I, we link up uh, from time to time to try out legacy decks. That's like a pastime of the two of us that's what we uh play for our format and so i had been uh trying to cook up a, a good list for spirit of the labyrinth and uh skyclave apparition and uh when i showed it to him he was into it so we gave it a run well there you go good it's a good solid list peter you got questions uh, if you'd like me to chime in on the first question, I'm sorry. I thought I was going. We were going question after question. Um, legacy tournament. So, how long you two been playing for? Like together, I guess. Um, like when you guys met, obviously. I don't know if it was on the terms of magic, but have you guys been collabing like this for a while? Yeah. Uh, when I first met Ben, it was back in 2011 at uh, our local game store, Portal Games, at the time. Um, and I was a standard player who had been playing like pretty competitive standard for a while and I played during the age of Cobblade and things like that so I was super into high power magic and uh, Ben um, had been playing Legacy for a long long time um, and he was semi new to the area and uh, I got to know him and I thought he was cool as hell and I wanted to learn a format with you know, that kind of high power, and so he got me into Legacy, and I've been straight addicted ever since. So I've been playing Legacy since, like, early 2012, that kind of era. But Ben's been playing much longer. I'll let him go into that. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, started playing Magic in uh, 1998 and uh, got into Extended at the time, uh, which was the Dual Land and Force of Will format. Uh, during that era of Magic, uh, eventually that stuff rotated and uh, Legacy split from uh, Type 1 and Type 1.5. Uh, so that was my natural home to play the cards that I loved. Uh, and like Curran explained, uh, when I got set up in Portland, I found the local game store and found him. And the rest is history. We've been playing games now for, I guess, 10 years. Right. Now, Dwight, if you would allow me one more. Sure. Um, you guys have quite the history playing magic together but you know obviously now you guys live in two completely different locations did that implore both of you to begin magic online or was that covid how'd that start so uh magic online um has been like something i I made my account back in 2012 but yeah we we kind of started investing into it more when ben moved out of the city and to where he is now um and so that's really the way we've stayed connected to the metagame and like playing different decks that we've been interested in and uh staying together and kind of like you know just playing the game that we both love while like everyone else you know our play group around us kind of deteriorated in portland and we 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 just both really love the game so um yeah you you two, Dwight, before we get to the next set of questions, you two speak such a, a similar story to my mine, and I hope, I wouldn't say hope with the deteriorating part, but just, you know, I hope other people find that similar. I find your story so much similar to, uh, so relatable to, that's the word I was looking for, um, to my own as far as magic. I, um... It, it's it's cool to find people like that with uh, similar stories to tell. Amen. All right. Well, let me ask you both. Uh, I'll start with Ben first, and then Tisteka can answer second if he wants. What uh, what made you choose the spirits? Like it's a really unique tribe to pick, especially for legacy. Uh, yeah. Uh, what brought me to spirits was uh the fact that legacy is defined by brainstorm and uh, Spirit of the Labyrinth is a hard counter for it. Um, A lot of people are trying to draw three cards or four on their turn if they're casting at main phase, uh, and Spirit says no to that. 
being able to aether vial it or rattle chains, flash it in, uh, answers it on the stack. And so I wanted to explore a deck that was built around Spirit of the Labyrinth, and this seemed like the way to maximize it. Well, you definitely did. How about you, Testacular? Yeah, uh, kind of the same thing. I think Spirit of the Labyrinth is pretty god-tier in the format right now, and being able to have the ability to vial it in or flash it in off rattle chains, and then also just protect it with things like the Spell Pierce effect, the spell pierce like effect on Mausoleum Wanderer or the Hexproof off Drogskull Captain. You know, it just seems like absolutely backbreaking every time uh, that it comes down in response to a draw uh, to a draw trigger. Um, and then also one other thing is that uh, the air right now, um, as far as a battleground in Legacy, is pretty clear outside of like, you know, Delver just being kind of the only one up there. So it's easy to get your damage in over time when they don't have blockers that can really contend with your threats. So That's badass. Now, how would you uh, describe the current meta in Legacy? Oh. Yeah, uh, I, so I'll kind of take this one. Um, the metagame is very Delver heavy, whether it's Rug Delver, Blue Red Delver, Grixis Delver, uh, even uh, Jeskai Delver, like, it is everywhere right now. And so, uh, I don't know, I feel Spirits has a pretty strong matchup against those kinds of decks because, like, it doesn't really care about tempo and it can kind of present the same pressure and then also pretty easily handle threats with Swords to Plowshares and Skyclave Apparition. And then outside of Delver, you're looking at, like, these control decks that run their Bant, that run, like, Uro. Some of them run Miracles. Some of them run, like, uh, you know, Bug Control with Hole Breachers and Plague Engineers and, you know, all this kind of different stuff. And those matchups are fine, too. And then there are, like, the combo decks. Uh, Elves is probably one of the one of the higher-played uh, combo decks right now. Then there are things like... Uh, Reanimator, um, uh, other graveyard-based decks, Hogak, uh, Storm, and things like that. But I would say, without a doubt, that Delver is easily the most represented thing in the format right now. So, um, if <clears throat> let me chime in here real quick. Now you're talking about this uh, meta being, you know, you can fly over it. Uh, with the exception of Delver and things like that. Um, relating back to the last topic where you were boasting Spirit of the Labyrinth a lot, if we're talking about a meta legacy with that, where I gotta get serious here, where it's dominated with things like Swords to Plowshare, Lightning Bolt more often than not, Fatal Push, we go on from there. How can you put such confidence in a creature like Spirit of the Labyrinth with one toughness but you put it out it's two mana either you vial it in turn three and you have something else out or you spend your turn two doing that but how do you put that much confidence in it is the protection of the mausoleum wanderer and the uh spirit um spell queller protection what's your yeah. uh, what's your so, I mean, there are definitely a million ways to protect a resolved spirit, whether it's the Wanderer, the Drogskull Captain, the Spell Queller, the Rattle Chains. There are, like, and even if it gets down to it, we have copies of Force of Will if we really feel that, like, that card is controlling the current board state. Um, and again, uh, it's, like, Come, it, coming down at instant speed a lot of times is the most threatening part. They've already spewed out their cantrip, uh, and so you're guaranteed value right off the bat, and then it's, I don't know, yeah, I would say it's fairly easy to protect, so. Now, Dwight, if you would allow me one more. Sure, sure. I, I, have, to, I have to double back on this, because I just, like, again, you, you have a performance that shows with this. You have a 5-0 league that shows that you know this deck can perform i personally have never put as as far as you know effectiveness of spirit in the labyrinth great card the ability to stick on the board and do its job for long enough it's not that great so i've never put it past a one maybe two of and most of the time it's not at all so if you had to tell if you had to tell me like you know sell me on that card what what's 
what's the way you're going to sell me on that as far as telling, making me know it's going to stay on the battlefield, do its job more often than not? Um, if I be, I don't know if I word myself right there. Do you no, I feel, I, I feel you. Uh, Ben, do you have anything that you want to add for that? Like, yeah. you want to try to film? I can try. Um, yeah, so I mean, one thought about you're mentioning running one or two copies of it. One thing is running four copies of it, you're that much more likely to hit the second one. So if they do have the answer for it, like there's a decent chance you're actually finding a second spirit, which is one thing to be said. Um, you also, it's like the ideal curve here of being able to mausoleum wander into Spirit of the Labyrinth. Uh, that's like onboard protection right there, hopefully. Um, and then this list is, is rocking a bunch of lords. So uh, sometimes that's like, I mean... In a format where there's so much plague engineer, like that's what drew me to a full spirit shell. Because D and T sometimes runs like Spirit of the Labyrinth here and there. If like if they're gonna get hit with a minus one effect of some sort or blasted with a little burn spell, it's gonna fry it. But um, I mean we have the possibility of turning it into like a five three or six four at some point, depending on how the board blows up. I don't know. Oh. And, and I'll tell you right now, what you just said definitely sold me on it a lot more. Um, I guess I'm looking at it more, again, in a general sense, even more in my sense of the bant state. But in a control shell, I definitely see running more than two, four more or less, um, in every case, being you know a reliable plan. You're definitely right. If they have an answer for the first one, having a second one is a great comeback to that. Well, let me ask you real quick. Uh, why, you know, the, your spirit deck is a little, it's different from all the other ones. But I, I want to understand how, I, I, I look at the list, I do shout outs every week, uh, looking for the best of the best, the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme in every format. And you got, you were able to go 5-0. Like, what was so unique about your matchups? Um, yeah, so our matchups were kind of all over the place. Uh, we just reviewed them uh, right before coming on with you guys, so I'm a little bit fresh as to what happened in each game as well. Um, I'm just pulling back up the uh, matchup assortment here. Uh, so our first matchup was Grixis Delver, uh, and it went kind of as expected game one we were just able to uh get ahead in the air and then just like make a bunch of bodies trade it off with a few removal spells here and there but ultimately we ended up clocking face uh game two uh they got ahead of us uh with um they they had uh we we were behind on lands actually for a little while um and they were able to like you know waste us out and remove our threats before we could get anything going establish a turn one delver and just get their clock moving and then in game three it was kind of like game one we just kind of took it took it out from there um Round two, we played against Maverick, uh, and we were able to just kind of have an aerial dominant force. We just kind of zoomed him out, as Ben put it. Uh, <laughs> we just put the guys in the air, put them to the face, and dealt with pretty minimal sorts of plowshares. They were relying a lot on their Knight of the Reliquaries to get there, but it just didn't work out. Round three, we played against Black Red Reanimator, um, and that kind of went as expected. Game one wasn't ours. We didn't have enough counter magic to interact and like shut them down. But game two and three, we brought in, you know, surgicals and relics and all all the all the graveyard hate that you've seen in our board, plus uh, extra counter magic, and we took out like some of the fair cards like uh, Skyclave app, and we just dominated game two and three through uh, graveyard hate. Um, round four, we played against Rug Delver, kind of went the same way as the Grixis Delver matchup did. We played three games, and we got, like, totally tempoed out of one, but the other two we were able to secure. And then finally, we played against Blue-Green uh, uh, Eureka Tell. Game one, they just didn't have any combo pieces, and we were able to put together a force to get through. Game two, they eureka us out of the game pretty early, and then game three, we were able to uh, use a lot of our counter magic to fight their threats, and then eventually get through with damage in the air. So that's kind of a short summary of everything that happened in the 5-0 that got us to that point. Well, is there, is there anything that you would have done differently in these matchups? Um, not 
from a play standpoint, no. I think I think our decisions were completely a okay, um, and you know everything we played everything as well as uh, we could have from the deck that we brought and uh, the match of the everything that was put in front of us. So, all right, go ahead, Peter. Now, um, before I delve into the actual question here, you guys said um, you were referring to something about the matchups. Do you guys record? Did you guys record the results for this and like take notes? Uh, what I did was I recorded the uh, the matchup titles and like put a screenshot together and put it on Twitter. And then before this interview today, I just logged into Moto and went into game history um so i could look at the games that i played back in uh back during the tournament and just see the replays food for thought i didn't know you could do, go that far all right yeah so now i'm hearing a lot of red decks um in your matchups here i'm hearing rug delver directions delver um yeah a lot of red a lot of black things like that did you guys just find the right setup as far as what you mentioned before chaining the mausoleum wanderer into you know protection for another spell they did just chain well or did you find that you know your opponents were having bad luck a lot of times how'd that play out for you because those decks can spell out defeat for uh spirits a lot of the time yeah i i thought the games went fine i don't think my opponent got particularly unlucky nor did i get like super lucky or anything um just looking looking at it it just felt like that you know we had enough creatures to overcome the removal that was thrown at us uh whether or not the removal resolved uh you know was dependent on where in the game because we definitely lost some creatures to removal but some were protected a-okay and then there was just enough to like outlast their threats then i mean delver delver doesn't play many threats because they they've got like delver secrets young pyromancer some cases some decks play ethereal forger uh you know hooting mandrels tarmogoyf uh realistically there aren't we we do play a lot more creatures and the fact that also some of our creatures remove their creatures is like absolutely bonkers in my opinion so yeah Yeah. i i agree with you and but the thing i like that gets me in those matchups a lot of the time is the true name nemesis like unless i spell quality that that that's a problem I don't think we saw a single true name nemesis, uh, so that maybe that is lucky on our part. Ben, did you want to add a, add anything to it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we ran into true name on that topic. Um, but to add to what you were saying about how we face off against a lot of black and red removal, um, something that's unique and doesn't um, necessarily show up looking at the cards is how many two-for-ones this deck has, which is something that Delver does not have. Delver is like a one-for-one, I bolt your guy, I fatal push your guy, I cast Brainstorm, I end up with one card replacing. Like, sure, you're looking at a lot, but you end up with one more card. Uh, And this deck with Rattle Chains, uh, giving a Hexproof, that's a two-for-one, you end up with a body and you cancel a spell. You know, the um, Drog Skull Captain, if you do it in response to a removal spell, that's canceling out a spell. Skyclave Apparition comes down, eats their guy, that's a body for you, minus a guy for them. So this deck just really, uh, like, kind of in the same scope of, like, Jund that is getting so many two-for-ones. Like, if you make your land drops, and you're able to go land drop, land drop, land drop, like, each one of your spells is incrementally increasing your board position while canceling out one of their spells. Now, before I don't want to get too ahead of myself, Dwight, but we are on the topic right now, and I feel like it kind of is relevant to it, so I'm just going to touch on it once. The Anafenza. It seems like once you get that on the board and you get some creatures out with that effect on it has that kind of uh, what's the word for this kind of dead-ended some red decks as far as removal like lightning bolt you they see the two four the one four whatever and they think okay well that's that's a problem like i can't get rid of that uh, we got Anafenza down in like one very noteworthy game where it ticked up two or three guys and uh, and did some real work. Uh, being a one of in a deck without card draw, we did not see it very much, so I'm not sure if we can fully assess it. Yes. All right. Well, let me ask you, because I see in a lot of legacy decks, especially in spirits, I, 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 I'm 
just going through list and list, just curious about the format. And what amazed me, and I think, Peter, I think you were in agreement with me here too, right? That we didn't see Wastelands. That, yes, that was, yeah. That, uh, like, well, that stunned us. Your, your thoughts on that. What, why? Um, color deck. Yeah, that's. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll do a little touching on it, and then I'll let Ben touch up on it because he designed the list and everything. Uh, the way that it felt, uh, Wasteland would have been too greedy on our mana base. Um, the. Having access to basics and legacies, uh, especially with all these Delver decks running around right now, is super important. And the de- and the matchups where you want Wasteland would be things like lands and dark depths. And we have two copies of Caracas, which arguably do a better job of like answering Merit Lodge anyway. Um, but most of the time, I find myself wanting, you know. Uh, one basic island and two basic planes basically cast the whole deck, and you also have Aether Vials on the side there, uh, and you're, you're, you're Wasteland proof. Uh, but I, I just don't think that the deck needs to feed into the greed of playing Wasteland. But Ben, go ahead and go ahead and uh, tie that up. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you you hit a big part of it um, that our mana is sort of. Um, fragile in itself and that we're trying to to be curving out um, but also we don't really have a way to capitalize on a wasteland where decks like Delver and Death and Taxes have Dahlias and Rashad imports or Stifles and Dazes um, our deck other than sacrificing Mausoleum Wander for like a Spell Pierce type effect we don't have a way to take advantage of the fact that we're sinkholing them so like trying to mess with people's colored mana like to delay their plan also delays our plan we don't benefit there really and our deck benefits from going wide with multiple creatures so we really want to be capitalizing on casting spells every turn um i see where i'm sorry go ahead no no, i think that that's good go ahead so dwight just one thing um go ahead a bit of just like some an insight i can share with myself and then transform it into a question the thing i've noticed is that i don't use the wastelands for color hate. I use it for the things that hate on me. The tabernacles, the mazeviths, uh, all of those things become a problem for me. So, and I don't ask, I don't say this with any malice or in, in, intent like that or anything like that. I'm just asking constructively. Do you think you took that into consideration when making this deck? Because you have to admit, paper versus moto tournaments moto is a lot more fringe stuff going on that you can pop up and just see. so do you think that you took that into consideration um i wasn't really too concerned about tabernacle i feel like usually if we've got our our three basics we can pay for three guys and race that um we have some hex proof to deal with maze of it um but yeah, I mean, like there are definitely there are utility lands that are problematic. Um, we we have some pithing needles in the sideboard if that's something that we're facing. But um, I didn't notice that. I was also gonna say that when it comes to uh, cards like Tabernacle and Maze of If, those, those cards really only appear in one matchup, maybe two if like Eldrazi Post is playing those lands as utility lands for like uh, crop rotation targets. But the, I mean, there are so many decks in Legacy too that like. I, I understand that Lands has like a you know a popular following and everything, and I understand that it's a matchup that I might run into, but I just don't like if Wasteland is only good to hit those two lands, and then like you know maybe maybe a Dark Depths or something that it, it's just not enough uh, to again risk ruining our curve and like you know wanting to get multiple guys on the table as ben was saying earlier so uh yeah i just yeah i don't know i just i think wasteland might be a little too greedy i understand where you're coming from i absolutely do looking at the list yes you have double white you have uh, in uh, anathenza you have double white and skyclave apparition you have uh blue mausoleum wanderer you have you need your single colored mana. There's, with the exception of a generic for Drog Skull and things like that, 
but overall you want i I get where you're coming from with that yes absolutely mm-hmm. well yeah, i want to get into the sideboard i, I, I suppose I, I would like really we'd like to get into specifics here because i'm looking and peter and i discussed this and we're like there's a lot of one-ofs a lot of one-ofs in the, the sideboard which was unique could you break down uh the, like I don't know if you have your deck list available in front of you, but I was hoping you could break down uh, your thought process uh, for those cards, each one. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the sideboard has a lot of one-ofs. Um, I think what's important when you look at the sideboard is to um, try and think of the deck as a 75, Um and that a lot of times these one-ofs are going to be the five and six copies of cards that are already present main deck, where you have Force of Will, and then you have Force of Negation and Flusterstorm. It's really, you have six counter spells there, or or nine if you count the spell quellers. Um, Skyclaves, uh, there's a Skyclave in the board, there's three in the main, so it's really a fourth copy to go along with the plows, eight removal spells. Um, the Disenchant, Council's Judgment, uh, are to back up the Skyclaves, brings you up to, to six pieces of interaction against artifacts and enchantments. Uh, there are five pieces of graveyard hate in the sideboard with Remorseful Cleric, two Surgicals, two Relics. Uh, the Relics uh, are unique and special, and I think great in this deck, uh, because they give a constant sense of pressure against a lot of these decks, these decks that are using Ethereal Foragers, these decks that are using Life from the Loam, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of, like, you know, hooting mandrills, things like that, where if you can just kind of, like, pick at them, and then always, like, a lot of the deck can be played at instant speed, a lot of our deck can be. So you can always just hold up that mana, and, like, if something really goes wild, you pop it, draws you a card. Uh, so it's a great filler card in a lot of matchups. Um, Kataki is super limited, but is great against those artifact decks. Um, Meddling Mage is to support our combo matchups. So it brings us up to having like four Wanderer, four Force, uh, Fluster, and Negation, two Meddling Mage. So you have like a pre- and the Quellers, you're up to like a 12, 13 pieces of interaction against combo decks. Um, so it's a lot of supplementing, and it's a lot of like, if you're facing a deck that's not playing creatures, like cut those plows, cut those Skyclaves, and like just get a ton of low-to-the-ground interaction against those combo decks and stuff like that. Uh, and vice versa, if you're playing against fair decks, like cut the forces. You don't want to be two for one in yourself. Like bring in a bunch of more removal. Get your your skyclave, or if if disenchanter or uh, council's judgment would be relevant, you can bring them in. Uh, and like if you're at a loss, I, I feel like relics always a safe card to bring one of in. It might do some damage against them, and it's at least cycles, uh, which might be better than something else. I also just want to add that uh, off your list of relic things, uh, Uro Nature of Titan's Wrath is very, very represented as well. And so relic does a great job keeping the pressure up against that or if needed, you know, popping it before it can get cast. So So I guess that answers the question I was just about to ask because I, as Magic Doctor, was about to diagnose you with grave fear. there is two surgicals, two relics, a remorseful cleric, a fear of the grave. Is it just the Uro, or is it, like, is that just it? I mean, Uro, and then, again, your graveyard decks. Reanimator was one of our matchups in that 5-0, so we were, like, super thankful to have, you know, all that graveyard hate. But then there are all the, there's also Oops All Spells, Hogak, uh dredge uh and even um variants on hollow vine now like there are these guys playing uh the one drop adept card that like gets plus one plus oh and has menace every time you discard a card or you cycle and then like you bring out hollow ones and venge vines that deck's seeing some play again which is pretty interesting so so if i may ask you you're you're building this deck you've built you're putting it together you say okay we got the main more together we're about to enter the league. We're going to build the sideboard. What are you thinking going into this? Because a moto league, you never know. It's not like a paper league where you're like, oh, I see that guy. You know, he usually plays that. I see that guy. He usually plays that. What are your thoughts? Have you played this through a league in a test or have you done like what did what were your thoughts on that? Um. So with the sideboard on this one, I. Uh... 
it was, so it was fully written out by Ben, and we just kind of th- this this league that we five out actually was our first league with the with the with the prototype. It was this is you know like where we started. This is um, and so I I just kind of you know Ben's got a ton of experience, been playing since '98. I just kind of trusted his word on it, and you know, I looked at it and I was like, "Well, it seems like it could be relevant enough to handle a ton of different matchups in today's legacy format." So uh, let's just give it a whirl and see what happens. And it it worked out that time for sure. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I I don't think there would be really any changes to the sideboard that i would make maybe an extra meddling mage but like that's that's about it i don't know ben do you want to touch on that at all um yeah i mean as far as building the sideboard um again i tried to just think about what cards were going to be bad in certain matchups so how many slots i was going to need to bring in um if i was facing delver like what cards i was going to want to definitely cut if against storm what cards i was definitely going to want to cut so that I at least had like a, a, a rough idea, like, oh, I'm going to want five or six cards that are better than these five or six cards. Uh, and so you sort of try and figure out what you can get away with overlapping, like what card's going to cover three or four matches and can come in for a few different things. Um, and I tried to build the sideboard fairly similar to how I build um, Death and Taxes and Goblins sideboards, which is just to have like little bit for everything, try and err towards the unfair things, since we are a fair deck. Like, if we can survive the first three or four turns, there's a pretty good chance that our guys are going to close the door on them. Okay, okay. Now, Dwight, if I could ask one more question. Sure, sure, subject, sure. A quick answer would be even appreciated if you want. What was the thing you were fearing most? The matchup you most did not want to, you did not want to see the most? You read my mind. Um, I, th- I think the big ramp decks, like the cloud pose type decks that just sort of go over the top, um, they don't care about Skyclave Apparition, like, we can't deal with an Emrakul, really. No, I, I'm looking at this now, and I'm like, if you guys did run into 12 post, that would be, I mean, you have the Pithing Needles for some of it, but, uh, the Kentucky would help you to an extent, Force of Negation, but other than that, that would be, that would be a rough matchup, but you'd have to race. Yeah, it's a terrifying matchup. I I don't think yeah. Again, we can't beat cards like Ulamog, Ceaseless Hunger. Even even cards like Thought Not Seer are terrifying to some degree. Yeah. So no, they can get that out turn two three. That's 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 child nightmare terrifying. Let me tell you. Um, yeah, no. I mean, let me be frank here and say I'm not saying you guys would be flat out dead against 12 post you do have like i said you have the council judgment if it got to the point where they got a cause or something out in the battlefield you have the disenchant for the if they get an expedition map they can't pop things like that force negation you have things for it but it just you know it'd be tough i get it well let me ask you guys real quick were there any cards on the sideboard that you thought were just like meh why did i bother putting these cards in the deck uh, do you want to go first? <laughs> uh, I have a feeling we're going to say the same two cards. I think the least exciting cards in this sideboard are Kataki Wars Wage and Council's Judgment. Um, Kataki because it's just very narrow, and Council's Judgment because hitting double white is hard. <laughs> yeah, we found uh, that to be a little bit difficult. Now, what would you substitute so- instead for it? Uh, I think the Kataki can just be another meddling mage uh, against the artifact decks, like just naming Urza or uh, the the draw seven could be fine. Um, or I mean, or if it's like a mud deck, you could try and name the payoff for whatever artifact decks are doing these days. Uh, as far as the council's judgment, um, I, maybe we could try like another piece of more affordable pinpoint removal, like a path to exile or something like that. I'm not really sure. So I'll have to, here's the thing. Kentucky's Wars Rage, I completely wage. I completely agree with you. It's a 2-1 and its attacks effect is beneficial if it's played against the right matchup. Council's Judgment 
I gotta disagree. That you guys apparently missed out on the attack of the true names, and that is your answer for it right there. Yeah, that's true. It does uniquely hit hit true name. Um, yeah, we were having a hard time hitting double white mana, uh, and like our uh, cavernous souls don't help cast it, but no, it doesn't. But it it is really good. Uh, it does answer some things uniquely, planeswalkers and things like that, which we have pithing needle and air attackers for, but. I mean, it's an incredibly flexible card. So, now I'm looking at the list again, and I'm, I'm noticing something. Two parts. Number one, I, uh, me personally, I go one. I usually see a lot of people go one. Why two Caracases? Is, are you, was the 12 post a relevant, like, fear with that, or what was going on? Like, did it really help against the reanimator matchup? Yeah, I mean, uh, Gristle Baron and uh, Merit Lodge and the 12 post monsters. Uh, I mean, Legacy definitely has a subsection of the of the meta game, like maybe five to ten percent, that are trying to put a disgusting legendary creature onto the battlefield. And if your planes just says tap, return that to your hand. It's a pretty spectacular planes. I I don't agree with I don't disagree with you. Wow, that was almost bad. Um, <laughs> my other part to this is: would it just be that unacceptable to put a playset of tundras in there if you're having that much problem with color? Uh, yeah, it could go either way. I'm honestly, we've been kind of toying around with it. One option would be to go heavier with dual lands, uh, and one option would be to go with with vistas and really try and go for the basics. Um, the the non basics get hit by Back to Basics and Blood Moon, which are sometimes part of the metagame. Um, but the basics definitely are more tedious to cast your spells, so there, there's a trade-off. Um, and Wasteland is very present. Yeah. No, honestly, like, here's the thing, guys. And, you know, people will be mad I said this, but here it is. We play Moto. Our dual lands are 10 to $20. Take advantage of that, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely heard there. Uh... See, that's why I like that's why I like playing when I started playing because dual lands were only like ten to fifteen dollars a piece. So, and now a volcanic island is ten thousand dollars. And I'm happy I have a playset. So there you go. Uh, let me ask you guys: with the way this deck played, all right? Do you see this deck just being like a a one of like it's like it just made a wish and there it was. Or is this a deck that, you know, spirit users or spirit players, pilots should actually start considering, like, the way you built this deck? Um, so I guess I'll start on that. I believe that there is something here. Uh, I And again, as I mentioned, that this tournament was actually, like, our first, our first go-around with uh, this prototype list. I believe we're on the right track, um, and I believe it's something that should be considered. I think, I think uh, some fundamental things like four Spirit of Labyrinth uh, and like four Rattle Chains. I don't know. I am a firm believer in some of these numbers, and I think we're on the right again on the right track. And I think the deck definitely has the potential to five zero again. Um, I know that personally, I will be. Uh, uh, testing some changes and things like that. Uh, you know, Ben and I will probably look into some changes and do some testing in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that it we're all we're definitely on the right track. So uh, Ben, do you want do you want to touch on that? Yeah, not much to add. Uh, I'm in agreement. I think uh, a lot of these numbers are really good. I think the shell is really good. I think there's probably you know five or six uh individual cards that maybe would get moved around in different directions uh that might make it better but uh we're definitely playing around a little bit to figure out what's better which ones out of curiosity uh, uh i mean i guess anafenza we've been a little bit unclear on what she's doing but it doesn't come up that often yet um otherwise um, I guess the other card that I haven't been particularly impressed with is Spell Queller. Um, really? Kind of broadcasts what? itself. I know, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't uh, think <laughs> broadcast ever. That is, I'm sorry for, for doing that to begin with. But You're I, okay. What, what is wrong with Spell Queller? Yeah. That is, that is 
Uh, yeah. I, I knew that we were going to get into this. Be Queller. What? Yeah. Oh, well, right hold on. Can I, can, can, I, can I leech yeah. on here? I got to leech on to this. Because I'm looking at the deck and you only have two jog school captain. I'm like, what is wrong? Like, what? We touched on that in the podcast. Like, did, well, did I bump my head? Like, why two jog school captain and now you're hating on Spoke Queller? It's like, why? No, no hate on so, Spoke Queller. Yeah. white Ben and I uh, kind of had a little discussion before the, this episode. We were wondering how much we were going to get into our new opinions, newly formed opinions and found opinions through our testing and everything. Um, and it sounds like we might be getting into it now. But uh, I'll, I'll say a little bit about Spellqueller. I'll be the first one to weigh in on the 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 downsides of spell quality. Okay. Just, so, just so you know, the listening audience, their pitchforks are ready and they so are their I torches. Know. I know. <laughs> I, I know you've made the internet angry. I know you have. No. I know. I know. We angered them. So yes. but their queller is upset. So Spellqueller does this thing where uh, you have to feel like you're casting it in order to get the most value out of it. And if your opponent just straight up like cast spells that aren't worth quellering or like you know you're waiting for that one thing and instead and you're looking at this beat stick in your hand that could be on the table winning you the game faster and not able to really deploy it because you're waiting for that show and tell or you're waiting for that that removal spell against your drog skull captain or, or something like that and sometimes it rots in your hand and then you end up losing that game anyway when there is a chance that had spell caller been on the table just attacking you might have been able to close the door before they were able to close the door in a different way uh so that's kind of where i'll start on that and i'll, I'll toss it to whoever wants to talk next <laughs> Go, go ahead, Ben. No, no, no. Like, yeah, I, 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 I want to oh, hear yeah, from Ben about this. Sure. Uh, yeah, Spell Queller. Um, so, I mean, the trouble that we've been running into it is the fact that it's three mana and most of Legacy is less than three mana. So you're already, you're spending more on your spell than they are on theirs. Um, it has Flash and it, it eats their spell, which is obviously awesome when it lines up that way um but it can be awkward when when you're kind of behind on the table and if they've got hooting mandrels or tarmogoyf on the table and you draw spell queller and it's like well what do i do with this do i hold it to answer their next thing while i take four a turn or am i supposed to try and like slap it onto the table and like get going because they're clocking me and i'm not clocking them um so i mean the 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 answers the interaction we've found to work better has been like the mausoleum wanders in the force of wills where you're not where you're either just getting your guy on the table he gets the clock and then he's a counter spell spectacular or there's no investment like force of wills just pitch like you didn't have to hold up three mana you didn't have to to decide whether you were going to attack or not um go ahead so i feel like you know i i get what you're saying guys that, it makes sense know, Sometimes it'll sit in your hand. Sometimes you wish, oh, you could have been beating with it if you just used it or countered that one spell you didn't think you would have countered. Here's my take on that. This is a very powerful spirit that both takes undoes something that your opponent does. It, it, first of all, tackles the Earl problem very well that you guys have been facing. And it doesn't counter it. It just eats it. It's gone. It's not, it has the no countered things haven't, aren't an issue. That's not a problem. Yeah, so flash. what it boils down to me, like I've had this situation before and it comes down to just kind of, and I know this isn't as accurate as with, you know, putting together the probabilities before you build the deck. It comes down to a gut feel of when to use it and when to uh, use it for beats and when to hold it for a counter spell. Um, and I think, I would encourage a little more faith in the spell queller as a four of in the spirit shell. Let me, let me come in right after Pete here. I, I like, I understand where you guys come from. I wanted to poo poo what you were saying, you guys are saying, and I, I see a hundred percent where you're coming from. I have to agree with Pete, you know, don't, don't sleep on the queller yet. I, you know, don't, you know, don't bury his ass yet, but I have a feeling that you guys, this is just a thought. Are you guys looking at shackle geist? 
Yeah, Shacklegeist has been a consideration. I had um, a feeling. I had a feeling Shacklegeist because you were like, the way you're talking about that, I was like, oh, he's thinking of Shacklegeist, bringing this bad boy in. As a replacement for Spellcloud? Yeah, I actually think because the fact that he, they were talking about, you know, Tarmogoyf, oh, what do I do? Well, you tap him and another spirit, Tarmogoyf ain't doing nothing. Yeah, there there seem like a lot of good areas, specifically with Shacklegeist, where you can do like these end of turn, like opposition your guy down tricks, clear the air and get through. You know, like uh, there are definitely there are definitely some super solid points to playing Shacklegeist for sure. Don't read my energy wrong. Like, put it in for the Spectral Sailor. Like, honestly, that's my least favorite card out of this whole build. Amen. The Queller is just, that'll save you in so many more situations. Get that Uro away for so so much longer. And then you can protect it with your Mausoleum Wanderer. The Spectral Sailor is, honestly, leave it in modern. But you have, you guys have a good build here. And I trust 100% you guys know what you're talking about for you know what you were trying to go for but don't sleep on the queller and don't put too much faith on the spectral seller when you could throw in that shackle guys i agree with you 100 percent. shackle guys is a great card it could get uh tap down that marriage lead which is your 2020 sits down for two of my creatures setting and then untapping like that's amazing so yeah that's my thought on that Man, Spectral Sailor is my boy. I I have seriously loved the card. There are a lot of times really? where it feels like your our hand empties out because you know we're playing all our threats and we everything is better on the table together because it's all getting lorded up by like Supreme Phantom and Drog Skull Captain. So when I'm empty on cards and I've got like four lands and a vial, yeah, like you know, end of turn drawing and then deploying with vial mm, feels feels so good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> especially with spirit of the labyrinth like being able to draw on their turn uh and you know like avoid our spirit text so anyway so, that's why i gotta say see, P- peter peter this is what's happening they're yucking on our yum and you know we're yucking on their yum you know what i mean it's the no, 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 but here's what's gonna happen here's my depiction because i just got this flash in my mind a doctor dr queller hearing this and just getting off off his office chair and just walking outside and just standing off, off a cliff and just being like, am I getting to them? Like, no one's listening to me. He's oh. the, the Spectral Sailor over Queller. What's going on? Yeah. Well, well you know what? He, he He's a modern guy. <laughs> uh, but he... I, I do. I do. Uh, I would... Whoa, my God. This is... I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta hear everyone's opinion and everything. But, like, this just blow. I've never thought I'd hear boo-boo. It's a first. It's a first. But you know what? You know these gentlemen have found something. Obviously, they they see something that we don't if see. I and vote, you know, if I vote, you know, it's better. You know, I I can't just some take. super hot takes over here. Don't worry about it. You know, it's, I know this. You know, I, I I can't like this may be the episode that breaks records. I I, I have a feeling just as soon as they like people yeah, hear this, I, it's I, gonna break I records. Always hope Every episode we do catches some sort of crazy tension, and this may be it. That, that, that the episode that will exceed that is when Dr. Queller comes on and starts going, okay, so we need to have a discussion. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys. Like, I, I, I want to you know, step away from here, and I have to ask you because Peter, uh, my boy, uh, my legacy correspondent, he doesn't do Azorius. He's a band guy. Why did you not? What what made you not want to go with Bant? And can I just chime in before that? I know Bant isn't always an apparent option. You see Jeskai fringe a lot. Bant has started to come up as more of a kind of mid-range attack on spirits. I see that. So uh, don't get me wrong. I understand why Bant is not, the word overlooked isn't, relevant it's just it's not seen and kind of left in modern but i would like to hear if you guys had thoughts on that um i don't have too much to offer um bant would be to add noble hierarch is there another gain oh well no, well i didn't well i guess our question is more did you consider bant and then weigh it against azorius when you made this decision to make this deck 
Uh, when I was building the deck, I started uh, with Esper, actually. I wanted to try and fit Plague Engineer in to go okay. against like oh. opposing decks. And I found the mana to be atrocious, trying to play three colors with caverns and uh, like the black lands. Like I had a scrubland and an underground CN, but it's just like these are bad island and uh, plains here. So uh, I, I did mean, not honestly, I I did not try ban. I could see you guys compl- you guys were saying mana troubles. Yes, going three color does make that happen with the right amount of dual lands and the noble hierarch. The mana troubles are almost non-existent for me. It's just sometimes running out of gas or running into the wrong matchups. Mm. Uh, I guess I had a question on that. What what, what does Bant offer outside of noble hierarch? Uh, I think Ben actually asked. Okay, all right. So this is this is how I guess I'll explain why I how I came into contact with Dwight. So I um, in February I think in February or yeah, something like right that. before Valky got banned. Um, yeah, I entered a legacy challenge and I what was it thirty six or thirty third place I made Dwight. Mm-hmm. So with a a collected company banned spirits deck. So that would be the other path ah. of degree. Forgot about collecting company. Yeah, we were, yeah the like, card the card's pretty decent. I, 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 <laughs> no, honestly, it's not forgotten. It's just not it's, a lot of people don't think it's good enough for legacy because it's four mana. Actually, uh funny, uh, I had a uh four one league with a bug collected company deck that was just playing things like opposition agent, hole breacher, uh uh, just like all the new broken three drops, uh, plague engineer, everything like that. I I, I kind of agree with you. Collected company is low key, like definitely something that is. It feels like it is actually good enough for legacy, and people just don't expect it. When you when you first do it and two for one your opponent by hitting two skyclave apparitions, you're gonna giggle a little bit. That's pretty sick. It really is just a beautiful thing. So maybe this is what's going to happen, Peter. They're going to remove the uh, spell colors, and then they're going to add Coco. Nope, nope, nope. No, I don't want to hear the rest of the idea. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I, I don't. I, I, I respect these two gentlemen's idea. I don't want to be a vulnerable spirits player. I just I You know what? We got to see. We got to see. Like I. Uh, like you know how I do my research on every spirit spirit content maker yada yada. Andre Segura just released a new uh, Esper build for modern. I think it's pretty yeah. freaking badass. And I, I I you know you know hearing these you sh- testacular and Ben. Yeah, but hear from testacular and Ben saying oh, you know the mana you know it's, uh, you know it makes it, me it, curious. It, I think you guys just need to get more into the dual lands, but. One more thing, Dwight, I'm noticing we're at the last question here. I just want to add one more in, if you don't mind. Guys, Sure. Strixhaven's out. And me and Dwight noted some weird spirit cards, but in general, there's a lot of, like, interesting stuff. Uh-oh. Removal, um, answers, things like that. Anything you're not- noticing you might want to add to your build? Uh, I did a, a quick tertiary look over it. I didn't, nothing jumped to me out of Strixhaven that I think I want to put in here, uh, but I will throw it back to Curran if he caught anything that was interesting. I just Googled uh, Strixhaven spoiler set to uh, do a little uh, refresh for myself. As I recall, uh, there were like a lot of, there there were like maybe a few like, spirits in the colors of red and white that seemed good uh i think there was a conversation about that that i was having with someone earlier like uh venerable war singer yeah venerable war singer right yeah that was the one um interesting yes uh but yeah i i don't know that there's anything that we would throw into you know our azorius build uh i i don't think anything quite cut it you don't want to put in strict proctor just i'm just saying strict proctor no no because then your the lands opponent can make their merit leech come into play for nothing no i know i'm i'm just joking oh wait no actually quite interesting point that doesn't work like that i know my point Uh, like i like i told my my play group and they're like 
they they wanted to flog me and i'm like yeah no but um gentlemen the, the one i was the thing i was talking about is more sideboard the thing i've been looking at a lot for spirit sideboard for me test of talents the sort yes. of surgical extraction for an instant sorcery yes that that's oh my god test Qu so quash, yeah quash that's what it is quash I've seen Tests of Talents uh, talked about a little bit in, like, uh, different legacy forums I'm in and things like that. And honestly, it just kind of reminds me of a more expensive invasive surgery. And, I mean, uh, obviously we wouldn't play invasive surgery in Spirits because we can't make Delirium trigger. Uh, but that's kind of what the card reminds me of, and it feels a little narrow. And at two mana... I like if it was one mana, count me in. But it, at two mana, it seems a little expensive. Fair, 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 fair. I, I can't say nothing again. I'm, I'm like, I didn't even know invasive surgery was a thing. Yeah, and right, we go back. Streaming the set, I have other than finding out that mystical archives are on arena. That my I, my head almost exploded. Um. Okay. But other than that, I've looked over. We slept not even just spirits, but just talking about Strixhaven in general. We'll touch on this later. So much we missed. So much. Oh, wow. Well, invasive surgeries. That's really good. Wow. Like, yeah, pretty sweet card. Uh, I, I played it in a bug Nick fit list like three or four years ago, something like that. I actually, uh, Dwight, one more thing, a really quick question. Sure. I have to ask you guys. I've been playing it all weekend. I just want to hear your personal experience. Have you had had done a draft or sealed online with uh, Strixhaven, Arena, or Moto? Enjoyed it? Uh, sadly, I haven't been able to play the format yet, but I've heard really, really good things. Ben, have you been able to play it at all? I have not played any Strixhaven yet either, unfortunately. Uh, well, I, I, I'll, I'll echo those good things. I really hope you guys get the time to play. It's There's some stuff here. Yeah, my but, local uh, yeah. LGS won't allow me playing Paper Magic, so I'm upset. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we're at the end of the questions here. Uh, Dwight, anything we wanted to chime in at the end? Well, I, I have nothing real quick. Let me, let, you know what, I, you know, I'm not going to do shout-outs today. But, gentlemen, I'm going to allow you to shout-out. Uh, let's start with you, Testacular. Do you have anything you want to shout-out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you guys want to see uh, every Sunday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I go live on twitch.tv slash testacularmoto, M-T-G-O, uh, to stream the Legacy Challenge, and I play elves every week um, in that stream. <laughs> so, I, I'm a tribal person to my core, uh, but I do... I do play leagues in between rounds, and I will probably end up featuring more spirits because it's a deck that I've been enjoying playing. So. Well, I I hope so. Since I, I started from the laughter, I just love the outright. I play elves every week. Every uh, week. No, no, you're you're on a spirit podcast. You're supposed to say I just play spirits. That's all I play. Spirits. I play spirits in between games of elves. <laughs> I mean, if Awful. we're if we're being Awful. exact here, the spirits do die, and then they become ghosts, which are spirits. So okay. they're Dwight. Uh, anything else you want to shout out, Testacular? Um, and then yeah, follow me on Twitter at Testacular Seven, uh, and that's all I wanted to okay. shout out. Oh, also shout out to my original playtesting crew, Team Portal Games. When we miss you, all you dead people. All right. There you go. How about you, Ben? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything uh, active really to shout out, but I appreciate all the Spirits listeners out there. I hope we uh, continue to play your deck and uh, put it on the map in Legacy. And uh, yeah, shout out to the uh, Portland Portal Legacy crew. I mean, those are my guys, so I hope everyone's doing well. Well, I hope they're listening to the show and they uh, learn uh, uh, appreciation more about you guys, even though, you know, you guys ain't around there to play. Well, guys, I just want to say this has been a lot of fun. I've, I've really appreciated picking your brain, and I encourage you guys to stay in contact. I um, I would love to hear more from you. I'd love to, you know, brew with you guys sometime, talk more. But I, honestly, this has been fun. Definitely has. Yeah, definitely has been absolutely. great fun. Yeah, I had a great time. Appreciate you guys having us on. Not a problem. Well, listen, guys. Like you know what? It's come to that time of the show. That's right. 
I want to thank everybody, everyone listening. I wanted to thank Ben. I wanted to thank Testacular. I want to definitely thank my boy, Peter Valco, my legacy correspondent, for being on the show. Remember, guys, you can email me, mtgectoplasm at gmail, uh, Twitter, mtgectoplasm, or go to my website, mtgectoplasm.com. I want to thank everybody uh, for listening, for making this the most listened to spirit podcast around the world i want to thank you all you know what ladies and gentlemen have a good one